Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Good morning, Passion family. Y'all doing all right? Was there anyone besides me who forgot that we were losing an hour last night? Yeah? Well, praise God for iPhones and things that change automatically because I was getting in bed and Seth was like, we lose an hour of sleep tonight. And I said, you are kidding me. should not have told me that because... I would have just been better off if I wouldn't have known about it, but I can feel it, and I am excited about taking a nap. Anybody else like naps on Sundays? Okay. Anyways, um, so it's an honor to be with you today, to be in here with my adult friends and family, um, and I want to say thank you to Pastor Steve for giving me this opportunity to share, and I also want to just thank our pastors and honor them, even though they are not here with us today, uh, for they are phenomenal leaders, leaders that not only believe in empowering, but they actually do empower um, us to use and grow in our gifts, and so uh, you don't have them this morning. You've got me, the crazy red-headed kids pastor, but hopefully you're ready to go on a ride if you need to put on your imaginary seatbelt. Now's the time to do it. So um, thank you for participating. And uh, this morning, I just want to um, ask the Lord to open our spiritual ears to hear what his spirit is saying. And uh, so God, we, we ask that you would make our hearts like good soil. And that you would allow for your word to be planted in us and let it take root. And we want to see results and fruit. We want to see action take place as we hear your word. So help us, God, to, um, to guard it and to keep it and make our hearts ready. In Jesus' name, amen. Aren't you thankful that God can do something in a moment that we would take years and years and years trying to better ourselves, and he can just speak. Isn't that awesome? God spoke. That's how the earth was formed. And, and so all he has to do is speak, and one word from the mouth of God can set a person free from the web of lies that's been just weaved by Satan over your minds. One word from God can give us courage to keep moving forward, even when forward means walking through a wilderness. One word from God is what we need. And so this morning, as I'm speaking, if the Lord is speaking to you something different or takes you to a different passage of Scripture, go there. Let him speak to you and then write it down so that you'll remember. Because it's scientific that if you write things down, you remember better. Anyways, go with me to John chapter 8 if you have your Bibles. John, the book of John chapter 8. And I want to begin this morning by reminding us of something that Pastor Steve said last week when he introduced this series to us. He reminded us of the encounter that Moses had with God in the book of Exodus chapter 3. It's a really cool story, so if you don't know it, you should go read it. But it's so interesting because not only did God reveal himself by setting a bush on fire and not letting it burn up. Have you ever watched something burn? Okay. 
I have never seen anything be lit and not something happening to it. So that's what drew Moses in with his curiosity. And when he approaches the burning bush, God begins to speak. And in their conversation, this is what blows my mind, is that Moses is asking God. I think that Moses was actually facing an identity crisis because there's a lot of reasons for that. But he says, God, who am I? Everybody ask, ask the question, who am I? Who am I that you would send me to rescue my people, your people, from Egypt, from oppression, from slavery? And God's response to Moses was interesting because he did not respond by lavishing Moses with all these compliments. Like, actually, Moses, you're really talented. Actually, Moses, you should believe in yourself. Y'all, that's not scriptural. That is not in the Bible. Do not believe in yourself because you in and of yourself are not good enough. But this is what God says to Moses. This is his response. He says, I am. Instead of saying, well, you are this and you are that. No, I am. In other words, Moses, you may not be capable, but don't worry because I am. Moses, you may not be sufficient, you may not be able, you may not be a good communicator, but don't worry because I am. You may not be able to take care of yourself or provide for yourself, but don't worry because I am. He is the all-encompassing, all-sufficient, great I am. He is, as Pastor Steve put it last week, everything that we could need or want. And he showed us one of the statements that Jesus made when he was on the earth was, I am the bread of life. He gives us everything we need. And so this morning we are taking a look at these these statements that Jesus made. All are found in the book of John. There's seven different ones where he says, I am this. But what Jesus is doing is he's not just sharing his characteristics or his ways. He's actually proclaiming, I am that I am. That I am that spoke to Moses is here with you on the earth telling you, I am God. So before I get carried away, let's read it together. John chapter 8, and we're actually reading in verse 12. And this is what it says. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And this makes me really excited. And let me show you why. Okay. First is the context of if where Jesus is when he says this. And it is during every year, the Jews would have a festival called the Feast of Tabernacles. It was a holiday. And during that festival, they had a ceremony called the Illumination of the Temple where they would take these ginormous candelabras, there were four of them, and they would light them up. But these things, y'all, were 75 feet high. It is said that you could be anywhere in the city and you would be able to see the lights shining from the temple. Anybody else like Christmas lights? I'm a little obsessed. I imagine that this scenery would have been more beautiful and even better than like the Yukon lights that you drive through. Those are really cool. And unfortunately, it's only March. So you got to hang in with me for nine more months before that happens. But I imagine that it was even better than that. And the significance of it, it wasn't just so that they could have fun. 
and so that they could enjoy a beautiful scenery. They did it to remind themselves of what God had brought them through. We need to do that more often. Yeah? Sometimes we need reminders of where God has brought us from. And the light symbolized the, excuse me, let me just take out the pulpit there. The light symbolized the pillar of fire that God used to guide the Israelites through the wilderness. It was a miracle. There was just this flame that was constantly lit that was from heaven that enabled them to see when they walked through dark times. And it symbolized that God was going with them. He was going before them. But not only did it remind them of the past, these pillars, these candelabras of lights reminded them of what God said he was going to do. For God had promised the Jews that he was going to send a Messiah, a Savior, and he was referred to as the light. He was going to send a light to the dark world, and he was going to save not just the Jews, but the entire world. And so here we have the Jews. They're dancing. They're singing. They're having a good old time, as we would put it in the south where I come from. And Jesus has got this crowd of people around him. And I imagine that he actually shouts or he stands and makes, he makes the statement and he says, Guys, it's me, the one you've been waiting for. I am he. In other words, this light that God has promised you for years and years and years, I am here. I am here to light up this world, to light up your world, to bring salvation for souls. That is what Jesus is doing. He's calling himself God. And many thought he was a liar. Many called him a lunatic, a little cuckoo. But some called him Lord. And this morning, Jesus is here. Hopefully you've encountered him in some way during worship. Or maybe you have a story of a way that God has encountered you in the past and it didn't look like a burning bush. And he's never spoken to me audibly. But he still encounters us and he reveals himself to us through his word. And so we all have to come to the same place that the disciples did. And we have to come to the, face-to-face with the question, who do you say that I am? Not who does Pastor Steve say that he is. Not who does your family say that he is. Not who does, does your co-worker say that he is. But who do you say that he is? Is he a liar? Is he a lunatic? Or is he a Lord? He's one of the three in your life. But if he's Lord, then you have hope. As we've been singing about all morning long, we have hope because the light of the world has come, y'all. Does that make anybody excited? Meaning it does not matter how dark this world gets. It does not matter how crazy your circumstances are. It doesn't matter how chaotic your home may be when you leave here. Jesus has come and he has come into your life and he is knocking on the door of every heart as the book of Revelation tells us saying, won't you let me come in and I will light up your life. I will light up your home. But what else does this mean really? Well, for one, it means that you don't have to make any more decisions on your own. Phew. 
Everybody just let the pressure fall off your shoulders because if he's on the throne of your heart, then you have help because the light shows us where to step. Amen? Right? You ever walked into a dark room before and turned on a flashlight? It shows us where to step. Now, Psalm 119.105 is where we get this from. It says, your word is a lamp for my feet and a what? A light for my path. Now, his word, Jesus is the word made flesh. Okay? You need a relationship with this. Okay? That's all. Uh, But for real, you need to know this because it is his word that lights up our path, showing us where to step, showing us what decisions to make. We don't have to make them on our own. Hallelujah. Now, I think I'm not the only one in the room who likes to make plans. Any other planners here? Um, And I also think that there might be somebody else who struggles with fear about the future because you don't know. Anybody? It's honesty hour. Yes. Okay. Um, I have many times, especially back in the past, when I first became a believer and asked Jesus to lead my life, I would say, okay, uh, are you going to show me the blueprint today? Because I don't just want the five-year plan, y'all. I want the 20-year plan. That's how obsessive I can be about planning. But God's never done that for me. And I don't think he's ever going to do that for me. Because God does not promise that he will reveal to you all the years to come. Instead, he promises that he'll order your steps today. The Bible tells us that he orders the steps of the righteous. And if you've made him Lord, he's made you righteous. Not because of what you've done, but because he's clothed you in his identity. You are a child of God. Therefore, he has ordered your steps. Everybody say one step at a time. And that's what Jesus is asking of us, that we would follow him one day, one hour, one minute at a time. So stop worrying about tomorrow. Stop worrying about next year. Okay? Okay. I'll just shout at myself. Because there's no need for that. If he who is ordering your steps today, he's also going to order your steps next year. He sees what is to come. Now come to find out. Since Seth and I now have a five-month-old cute little girl, Jesus, even though I would like for him to, he's not showing me how to lead her in her teenage years because she's not 15. She's five months old, and he has to remind me of that. But he has said to me, and he has been showing me how to lead her, how to shepherd her, how to take care of her right now. Y'all, I didn't know much at all about babies. You can ask Joanne. She's been like a counselor for me. Because I don't know what to do. But Jesus does. But instead of showing me what's to come in, in the years down the road, he is showing me what to do today, right now, in this season of life. Are you thankful that he's with you and he lights up your path? You can trust him with your path. You can trust him with your path. And relax. Relax. Stop worrying so much about how you're going to parent and lead and shepherd your kids 10 years from now. For Jesus, who's with you today, showing you what steps to take today, he will be with you next year when it's time, or years from now, when it's time to teach them how to drive. All right? He'll be with you whenever it's time to graduate them from high school. 
and send them to college. He'll be with you when it's time to watch them walk down the aisle. Lord, help us all. But we can rest. Instead of worrying about the future path, we can rest right now. We can relax because Psalm 23 tells us that even when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the most dark time of your life, what does it say? You do not have to fear because he will be with you. The great I am, the light of the world will be with you, shining, lighting, illuminating your path, showing you what step to take next. And then Psalm 139 says, If I rise on the wings of the dawn and I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. And if I say, Surely the darkness will hide me and the light becomes night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. And then in Psalm 23 as well, there's an earlier verse that says, He guides me along the right paths. Everybody say, He's a good guide. He's a good guide. So we can trust Him with our path, right? Do you believe that? So when you feel a nudge, when you feel like He's tugging your heart, or maybe a thought comes into your mind that you know wasn't you because you're not that smart, take that as the Lord the light leading you, saying, hey, why don't you spend your money this way? Why don't you buy that car or don't buy that car? Why don't you take the conversation in this direction? Why don't you do this or do that? That's him guiding you, but he's gentle. He's not forceful. So let him, because he's a good guide. He knows and he cares. Right? So the second thing about Jesus being the light is this. The light shows us what we need to see. Right? So um, my dad loves to tell a story or a joke that I will share with you this morning because I think it's pretty funny. And it's about this man who comes home from work, sits down with his family, and his wife has made fried chicken. So he is excited. Makes me excited when there's fried chicken. Um, And so they all sit down to eat. And this story takes time takes place during the time when there wasn't electricity. So they didn't have air conditioning and they didn't have lights. So that meant that they kept the windows open and they would eat with candlelight to be able to see and have some airflow, right? So eventually the bowl that was filled with chicken pieces becomes a bowl that only had one piece. And uh, it was common courtesy in this man's family to... Um, Never take the last piece of anything. Doesn't matter if it's pie or bread, especially chicken. Because you just didn't do that. You just were common courtesy, right? Well, when a breeze blew through that was strong enough to take the light out, this man quickly reached for the last drumstick in the bowl and at the same time lets out this blood-curdling scream. So his wife starts looking for a way to relight the candles, get, it all back, get the light back on because she needs to see what on earth has happened to her husband and come to find out he's got five forks stuck in his hand. So if you need help understanding, come find me later. But the point is, is that you get into trouble when you make moves in the dark. Yeah? 
So, um, for instance, when I walk into a dark room and I don't want to turn the light on because I don't want to wake my husband up or Galia up, I turn into like this astronaut that's like walking really slow (laughs) because I'm so deathly afraid of stumping my toe. It's happened to me so many times. You're not going to have sympathy for me? Okay. Yeah. So, um, the light helps us. It protects us. It protects our fingers and our toes, but it also protects our lives. We need the light to be able to see, but hear this as well. Seeing doesn't just happen with our eyes. Seeing happens with our minds. In fact, the word see used throughout scripture has multiple meanings, and one of them means to think. So, when, let me say it again, seeing doesn't just happen with our eyes, it happens with our minds. Therefore, Jesus, being the light, not only illuminates our path and shows us where to step, but he also illuminates our brains and he shows us how to think. Is anybody thankful for that this morning, that he will come in, if you will allow for him to be Lord, he will come in and he will say, that thought has to bow. That lie has to go. Anxiousness, bow before me. Worry, get out. You don't belong here. And he takes authority and begins to illuminate and show you how to think. He shows us what we need to see. So let's talk about that for a second. Because we as humans have a tendency to be obsessed with knowledge. We love to know things. That's why Google is like at everyone's fingertips. Everyone's just going there all the time because we want to know. Pointless stuff. Well, I just want to know. And then if you look back in Genesis 3, you'll even see that the first humans to live on the earth were obsessed with knowledge because the thing that God asked them not to eat of that they ate was fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. See, God sees what we can't handle. He sees what's too much for us, but they thought they could handle it, so they disobeyed. They took him off the throne for a moment, and that is why we live in the chaotic, dark world that we live in. Who would have thunk that God actually knows what he's talking about, and he wants to protect us, y'all. So there are certain things he will not allow for you to know. So let's stop approaching him like he's some fortune teller. And like, God, show me who I'm going to marry. Show me where I'm going to work. Show me where I'm going to live and all this stuff. When he sees you need to know it, he will order your steps. But we can relax and trust him with the knowledge that we don't have. But what type of knowledge does he want to give us? The things that he wants us to see, number one, is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. And it says this, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Meaning God wants us to see him as he really is. He wants us to know him. He wants us to know that he is real and that he really loves us. I remember as a kid going to church and hearing all about God, but I was constantly struggling with doubts because I hadn't had my own encounter with him yet. So I remember praying, God, would you make yourself real in my life? Would you show me yourself? And he's faithful to do that. And he did, and he still is, over 
and over and over again. And it's in the dark places and times of our lives where we need that the most. And so I encourage you to also pray and say, God, show me yourself. Help me to see you. Because I know you're real, but I need to know that you're really here. And that that you really care and that you really do love me. And as you read his word and, and as you worship and as you're just going on through life, God will open your eyes to see him. In other words, he will illuminate your brain and give you this revelation of the truth that he is who he says he is. We can't figure him out on our own. Have you tried? It will make you go crazy or make you angry because God is so big. Our little finite brains cannot comprehend all that he is. So we need him to open our minds to be able to see, to open our hearts to be able to see and to know that he is God. Yeah? The other thing that God wants us to see and to know, an example is found in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 17, where Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. What God was doing was he was opening this man's spiritual eyes to be able to see that God had sent angels and that God was surrounding them. So the other thing that God wants us to be able to see is that he's with us, that his presence is is with us and that he surrounds us with his protection. So he wants us to see him, but he also wants us to see and know his presence. Anybody need to know that he's with you? Then ask him. Ask him to show you his presence and he will. And here's the thing. I'm not denying the physical reality. I don't believe that to be a believer or follower of Jesus means that you have to ignore the reality of this world that we live in. Or to just deny that somebody's sick, that, that there's really no more money left in the bank account. I mean, you don't just say, well, that's not real. No, it's real. But there's a spiritual realm that's equally real. You may be walking through darkness, but he is light. You may be broke, but he is all, he's Lord over all resources. He owns all things. You may be sick, but he is healer. Somebody in your, that you love may die, but he's resurrector of the dead. That is the reality that we need to be able to see. And the only way to see spiritually is to ask him to open our eyes. Don't do it for fun because it won't be fun. But ask him to show you in the spiritual realm what he wants you to see. And it will be his presence, himself, and he, you will see that he's surrounding you because you made him Lord. Isn't that wonderful? And so we can trust him with our perspective. In other words, stop leaning on your own understanding. But in all your ways, as Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 says, in all your ways, including the way that you think, Acknowledge him. Look to him. Stop looking within and look up. Pay attention. Set your eyes on the Lord and say, God, show me yourself. Show me how this really is. Give me a heavenly perspective. Help me to see past the brokenness. Help me to see what it is that you're doing and how it is that you're moving. We need that, y'all. 
especially with all the craziness that's going on, our minds can be overwhelmed with worry and anxious thoughts and fear and even depression. But Jesus comes into your life and he wants to light your brain up and enable you to see that there's more, that there's more, that there's an eternity to be lived, that heaven is your home. This is not where you belong, that he is sitting on the throne, which means that he is relaxed enough to know that I am God and I'm not freaking out because I I know what's going to happen. I've already won. I've got the keys. When we read the end of the Bible, we know that it is been finished and we have already won because he's won the victory, right? We can only see those things when he's Lord. So is he Lord over your thought life? Is he Lord over how you think and what, you, what thoughts you allow to dwell and to stay? Psalm 27 says, the Lord is my light and my salvation of whom shall I be afraid? Meaning we don't have a reason to really fear because he is with us. He's the light. So tell your neighbor, help him out. Say you can trust him with your perspective. You can trust him with your perspective. But not only does light illuminate things, but light also gives life. Don't believe me? Take your plant, not your fake plant, your real plant, and put it in a dark room for a few weeks and see what happens. Because living things need light to live. And I know this because I'm a professional plant killer. I have tried planting vegetables, I've tried planting herbs, the things in the pots, the things in the ground, the things in the soil, and you can give me all your tips, but I have probably tried them, okay? And so far, the only thing that I can confidently keep alive in my house is one succulent plant. Don't give me two, that's too many. Just one succulent plant. But there was a week recently where I never opened the blinds because I don't know, I forgot or I was too lazy. And so that thing, did you know succulents aren't supposed to die? They're like the most low maintenance plants on earth. And it started to wilt because living things, plants need light to be able to live. So, so do we. In fact, recent studies show that underexposure to sun carried significant risks similar to smoking, obesity, and being sedentary. Other studies show that sunshine has been noted to give us, one, a better mood, two, deeper sleep, three, lower blood pressure, hmm, four, reduced risk of some cancers, five, stronger bones, and six, potential weight loss. We need to go outside more. Maybe we should have church out there next week. But although the sun is great and we need to be exposing ourselves to it to an extent, it won't save us, it won't make us whole, it won't heal the depths of our heart. So thankfully, we have the Son of God who is the source of light. He is light himself, and he brings life to our dying bodies, passion to our weary hearts, and fruits of the Spirit to our once wilting, dying souls and spirits. So if, you, if you're feeling anxious or depressed, you need light. Yes, you need to go outside, but you also need Jesus. If you have a sour attitude, you need light, meaning you need 
Jesus, and I'm not against counselors, medicine, I'm not against self-help books, but those things will not make you whole. They help. It's like going outside and getting sunlight, but you need Jesus to come into your heart and take over your life. So tell somebody, you need Jesus. Tell them, you need him. It's true. (laughs) Y'all are getting the sassy version of me today. Sorry, (laughs) but I just feel passionate about it, so I hope you don't see anger. I hope you see passion, and the question that I have for us today is, are you following him? Is he Lord just on Sundays, or is he Lord Monday through Saturday? And I'm glad that you're here, and I think we should keep coming because as we stand with other believers and we lift up his name, he promised that where two or three are gathered together, there he will be when we do it in his name. And we're here, so he's here. So we have, we're standing, we're sitting in the light of his presence. Don't you feel better when you're at church? There's a reason for that. It's because the light is here. He's doing a work in you. But do you leave the light here when you walk out the door? Or does it go with you? In other words, are you leading you or is he leading you? But hear this good news. The moment that you make him Lord, he comes in and brings life where death once lurked. And he does this by walking into the darkest places of your heart and begins shining light on all of the, the disorder and the chaos that Satan left. You know, there's not room for Jesus and Satan. So when Jesus comes in, Satan goes out. He can't be in Jesus' presence. He can't remain. That's why when people come in who are oppressed, they begin to all of a sudden feel sick or feel headaches. Now, I'm not saying that every headache is of the devil. I'm just saying that that can happen when you come into the presence of God because Satan's not happy here and he wants you out. He can't remain in the presence of God because when Jesus comes in, he starts shining light on all the darkness, meaning he starts kicking Satan out. Not only, does he, not only does he reveal the places and the areas of which Satan has deceived you, he also comes to demolish all of his works. It's like a person who buys a house is not going to leave the mold and the water damage, right? Because you paid for that thing. You understand its value and its worth. You also understand the intent of the builder. And you're going to remove the damage so that the house can be returned to its original state. Or even better. And so when Jesus paid for your life and paid for your heart with his own life... He did it because he saw your value and he saw what you were worth and he sees the original intent of the builder because he is your maker. And he will not allow for mold and water damage and the sin and the things that have been caused by the sin to remain. He will not allow for bad habits to remain. He will not allow for lies and fear and bondage and strongholds to remain because yes, he wants for you to have eternal life after death, but he's also interested in you having life life right now during the years in which you live on this earth are you thankful that he wants for you to be healed that he wants for you to be made whole that he wants for us to be free so he paid for it with his life he bought your heart back and he'll come in and he'll start shining light what does that mean that means he's going to start showing you what you need to surrender because once again I said already he's not forceful He's gentle. 
So he wants for you to let him do what he can do. So he'll show you a few things that you need to surrender and trust him with. And the first is he'll show you your impurities. In other words, he'll ask you to surrender your sinful ways. Not just your past and say it's forgotten because he does do that. The Bible says he throws our sins into the sea of forgetfulness. As far as the east is from the west, he does not remember your sin. But the sinful lifestyle, the sinful ways in which you are living, he will ask you to lay those down at his feet and and let him be Lord and let him change you, let him transform you in the way that you think, in the way that you act, because he sees that sin actually leads to death. Romans chapter 6 verse 23 and James chapter 1 verse 15 tells us the wages of sin is death. That is the result, and Jesus does not want that for us. Amen? Hallelujah. So he'll ask us to surrender our impurities. Another thing that, we, that he wants us to trust him with is all of our pain. Now, I said he forgets our sin, but the Bible reveals to us that he does not forget our pain. Isn't that amazing? That God won't say, well, he, he doesn't disregard your painful past and say, well, that didn't really happen to you. You need to get over it. No, he remembers that. And he wants to redeem it. He wants to bring something good out of it. But he asks for you to first bring it to him. Bring the people that have hurt you. Bring the offenses that they have brought upon you. And say, God, I trust you with them. And you know what he will ask you to do? He will ask you to forgive them. Not because they deserve it, but because he sees that you need freedom. And the Bible reveals to us in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, that bitterness is like a root that grows up to cause trouble. Holding on to an offense will only bring about harm to you. I heard it one time said that unforgiveness is like drinking poison, expecting it to harm the person that hurt you. It's actually destroying you. So Jesus asks us, he not only asks, he demands, forgive those who have hurt you, all of them, as many times as you need to, so that you can be free, so that you can be healed. He will ask you to surrender your pain. And not only should we trust him with our impurities and our pain, but we should also trust him with all that we own, meaning all of our possessions. There's an account of Jesus and a rich man having a dialogue in Matthew chapter 19. And this story reveals to us that when we value our possessions more than we value Christ, meaning you cannot have two masters, You either worship him or you're worshiping you. You either worship him or you're worshiping other things. You're either bowed down before him and he's on the throne or your stuff, your money, your job, the things that that give you happiness are on the throne. He won't share the throne. And he sees that possessions, the things that we own, we're rich. Did y'all know that? Even those of us who would be considered lower class or, or who, who are dependent on extra help, in comparison to the remainder of the world, we are so rich. Because have, if you have food on your table and you have more than one outfit, guys, you are doing good. We need to calm down. Jesus warns us that it is nearly impossible for the rich to inherit the kingdom of heaven. 
But then he goes on to say, praise God, that what's impossible for man is possible for him. So he can save us. And he has saved us, hopefully all of us in this room. And if not, you can too be saved. But we must understand that when we say yes to him, that means that all our possessions bow down to him too. And he sees what's bringing harm. He sees what's causing destruction in your marriage, in your life. Did you know money can actually bring harm? Give it to him. Say, Jesus, be Lord. Lord of my finances. Be Lord of what I give and what I keep and where I work and how long I work. Be Lord over all of my stuff, my house, my my shoes. Anybody obsessed with shoes? I just feel like somebody needs to get set free from the bondage of, of addiction to shoes, whatever. You know, like I give you everything because he sees that possessions can actually keep you from following him. Possessions can actually keep you from inheriting the kingdom of God, eternal life in heaven, that is, that is scary. So we've got to surrender all that we own to him because he's worthy of our trust. He can handle it, and he cares about you, and he knows what you need, and he knows what you don't need. Do you believe that? So let me close with this verse. 1 John chapter 1, verses 5-7 through seven says, This, in essence, is the message we heard from Christ and are passing on to you. God is light, pure light. There's not a trace of darkness in him. So if we claim that we experience a shared life with him but continue to stumble around in the dark, we're obviously lying through our teeth. We're not living what we claim, but if we walk in the light... God himself being the light, we also experience a shared life with one another as the sacrificed blood of Jesus, God's son, purges all our sin. Is he Lord? Are you letting him guide you in your decisions? Are you letting him guide your thought life? Are you living a life of surrender to him and his control? For he is the light that illuminates and he's the light that brings life. Would you stand with me? He's worthy of all of our trust. There's one more verse I want you to see. It's Matthew chapter 5 verse 14. And it quotes Jesus. Jesus is talking. And he's talking to us. Believers, followers. He says, you are the light of the world. You are. You, everybody say, I am the light of the world. You are a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Jesus is saying, if you've made me Lord, then I am in you. And since I am the light, that means you carry the light. This world needs us. Government officials, praise God for them. Systems, some of them are good. Charities are great. But they're not the light. They're not. We are the church, the people within the church, the individuals and the body as a whole. We are the light that this world needs. We have hope. We have truth. And he's asking us to stop hiding. He says, you don't light a lamp and then put a bowl over it. That's not what its purpose is for. You are meant, your purpose is to shine, to let
let me speak through you. Let me live through you. Let people see me through you. And if I am Lord, then that means I'm teaching you how to live and walk in the light and how to be the light. Speak the truth. Live the truth. Share it in your workplaces, in your home, with your friends, the places that there's corners of the earth that are so dark, they don't have access to the gospel. They've never heard the name of Jesus. There's no Bible in their languages. Did you know that that's still happening? There are millions of people who are drowning in darkness. Y'all, Satan is at work, but we can boldly walk into a place, whether it is a business, an office, a grocery store, or another nation, and we carry the light so we can come boldly. We can come with joy and excitement and say, here's hope, here's the truth, here's the way, because Jesus not only wants for you to walk in freedom, he not only wants for you to be whole, he wants for the rest of the world to have that option too. We can walk into a place where there's chaos and disorder and where everything is going array and we can speak to it and we can just be there and watch darkness flee and watch people's mindsets shift and watch the dead come back to life. I'm believing that all the dry bones, spiritually speaking, are rattling and God is moving and there's new life that is coming so right now if you need the light if you need Jesus to get back on the throne of your heart and it can be for the first time or the thousandth time or maybe it's a specific area that you have chosen to take control of and maybe you need him to to light up your brain and get back in control of your thought life maybe you're you're struggling to let him lead you in your decisions and you've been making decisions on your own and you can see where it's brought you that it's causing confusion or chaos or maybe you have sin or pain or offenses that you're holding on to surrender your possessions and control of them to the Lord, then I want to ask you to join me in just lifting up your hands as a sign of surrender and let's let Jesus come in. Let's let the light in. He's knocking. Will you answer and say, Jesus, have it all. Be in control of how I spend my time. Be in control of my conversations and the words that I let come out of my mouth. Jesus, come in to our lives and do what you want to do. surrender do it right now there's something that's helpful about physical movement so that's why I ask you to lift your arms <sighs> saying I don't care what I look like I don't care what anyone else thinks I just need you Jesus be in control be Lord we're just gonna worship for a minute As we worship, I encourage you to put him back on the throne and let him speak to you. Do it, Jesus. Guide us in our decisions. Show us where we need to go. 
There's someone that's at a crossroad and not sure whether to go to the right or to the left, but Jesus is here. We ask that you, God, would speak to them. Give, give him permission to speak. Give him full control and ask him to guide you. You can trust him. I just hear that strongly. You can trust him. You can trust him. He loves you. He cares about you. He knows all things. He knows the end from the beginning. someone maybe that's worried about one of their children he's saying you can trust me you can trust me I believe that there's someone here who the Lord is calling to missions to to overseas ministry or maybe he's asking you to start something new to do something that hasn't been done in your family or or you don't even know where to begin say Jesus lead me Show me the way. Tell me what step to take today. And then obey. He holds the keys to every door. So you don't have to figure out how to open it yourself. Just let him lead you.
leave this place, that you would go before us and you would tell us anything that we're still holding on to so that we can let the light in and so that we can live again. We want you to have your will and to have your way, God. So if you're wrestling with letting go of control, just remember there's rest and there's freedom and there's joy on the other side of surrender. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.